This episode of Inside Acting is brought to you in part by ActorRated.com, the internet's only place to find ratings and reviews for headshot photographers, acting classes, and more. See what other actors are talking about and recommending. To learn more, visit ActorRated.com. Welcome to episode 65 of Inside Acting. I'm Trevor Alga. And I'm AJ Meyer. And on this podcast, we interview actors, writers, directors, filmmakers, agents, producers, managers, voiceover actors, anybody involved with the entertainment industry, and we package them up into this podcast and stick it out there on the internet for free for you. And of course, we want to keep this as open a dialogue as possible, as always, and we have a myriad ways of doing that, all on our website, which is at Inside Acting Podcast. And thanks to uh, people who have taken us up on that, we've got some emails and some voicemails on this episode, as well as the first part of, we're going to, we're going to sort of like um, postpone, I don't know what the word is, sort of delay the third part of uh, Emily's interview to kind of um, put in some of the other interviews that we have right now um, that we're really excited to get on the podcast. So this is the first part of a two-part interview with um, actor Robert Clotworthy. I don't know if I should like give away too much of who he is right now. Maybe you can Google search him. Maybe you can listen to the first part of the interview. But it's really exciting and sort of in the same vein as, uh, as Emily. And you'll understand what I mean by that when you listen to the interview. Is that a good yeah. enough? Is that a good, is that a good <laughs> teaser? Good. Here's, a, here's a hint. If you watch the History Channel, you'll recognize him by, by uh, the number of times he says on the show that he does the phrase, and if so, why? <laughs> Just like that. <laughs> you've got, and you've gotten really good at that, Trevor. <laughs> I watch that show a lot. Yeah, so big teaser. Stay tuned for that. So, uh, what's going on, dude? I mean, I, I've seen you since the last episode, obviously, a bunch of times, but um, what's going on in your career? Yeah, I feel like I saw you, like, either the same day or the day after I recorded with Ben. So, it was just really bizarre, because it was like... I knew, we both knew that we were not going to get an episode out because we were both, like, insanely busy. And I was like, yeah. Ben, you live here. Sit down. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but then I saw you. So, yeah, we've been uh, we've been in contact even though, you know, with the holiday. We took last week off uh, because of the Thanksgiving holiday. I hope uh, all of our listeners had a good holiday. Uh, I know, Trev, you were out of town for a little while. Um, mm-hmm. And I just went to my cousins for the day which was cool but uh career wise um well i mean we're approaching the holidays which means that it, things are starting to slow down and that would be welcome if they haven't already been slow for the past two months so i have a theater audition coming up on a sunday night of all things i was like man that does not happen very often and it would only happen in theater and then i had an uh, interesting experience I put myself on tape for an audition for the first time. Um, cool. Oh, so that's what that Instagram photo was, where you had the light set up with a little tripod you bought. Yeah, I was uh, I was filming uh, an audition piece. It was two scenes, well, one scene and a monologue. And I, I like you said, I did use my iPhone uh, to do the recording, which is great because I. I recently upgraded. I'm such a technology nerd. I recently upgraded, so I have the the new one, which shoots in 1080p. Uh, so the video quality is fantastic. You know, if you throw it up on a on a tripod and everything's well lit, it's really incredible. And you can do some great things with it because it's such high quality that you could like. Um, I didn't have a perfectly clean wall, so there was like a corner of a television poking, you know, peeking in, and a chair peeking in from the other side, and I just cropped the frame, and I didn't lose any quality because the, you know, the image was already so good, um, and yeah. did, did some white balance stuff, and all in iMovie, by the way, it was not insane uh, work for me, and it did it didn't take me very long, 
but the actual recording took a really long time. Um, Why is that? Because getting everything set up so that the room was well lit, even with natural light outside, um, it was very difficult. Um, so getting the room set up took a long time. Getting the lighting right took a long time. When I was filming the scene, I had help. I, I asked a, a friend of mine to sort of direct. Um, and then I had somebody reading opposite me. But when I did the monologue, they were no longer around. So I had to do that by myself, which means I was starting and stopping the camera by myself. I had to make sure that um, <clears throat> I had to use a uh, a chair to act as my stand-in so that I could turn the auto lock, auto focus lock and auto uh, exposure lock on, on the iPhone. Uh, mm-hmm. So I like, would put a chair where I was going to sit or stand, lock it to the chair, then walk over, remove, hit the record button, walk over, remove the chair, sit down on, an, uh, on another chair that was there. Right. You know what I mean? Like it was just like this arduous process. Um, <clears throat> I didn't get much sleep last night. No, that night, um, and by not much sleep, I mean none. I never went to sleep because I had to get it into my manager the the next day. It was really taxing, but also very interesting because, like I said, it was my first time putting myself on tape. And the ironic thing is, is that it was for theater. <laughs> <clears throat> there's the punchline. There's the punchline. So it uh, so that's 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 crazy. You know, that reminds me of uh, what Emily Rose was saying, and uh, I believe it was the last episode. She said, you know, when I have an audition <clears throat> or a meeting, excuse me, when I have a meeting, I just figure, you know, hey, I have a show at this office, so I walk in, and these people are invited. Tickets are free, and right? So on and so forth. So it's kind of like the same thing, except you're doing a short film. What was it? What was it for? It was for a, a show that is going up at the Magic Theater in San Francisco, but the casting is all being done in New York. Wow! Um, <clears throat> they're, so they're casting entirely out of New York, and this is a this is another one of those instances where like it pays to have a manager. They're doing all the casting out of New York. My manager somehow got a hold of the breakdown and and saw that there was a the the lead was actually really great for me, and and she told them. And they were like, oh, we're doing all the casting out of New York. And she's like, I have somebody for this role you have to see. And they're like, we're doing all the casting out of New York. I have somebody who's perfect for this role. You have to see him. And they're like, all right, fine, put him on tape. And I asked my manager, I said, do you have any advice? Since this is my first time putting myself on tape. She said, get somebody to direct. And I was like, oh, yeah, I never really thought of that. So it it really paid off having somebody there to act as a, a second or third pair of eyes, not only to, you know, hopefully pull out a deeper performance but also keeping an eye on the actual video itself now i've i've never um put myself on tape for anything so i would imagine that you'd have to be pretty picky with who you ask to be your second set of eyes yeah i well i i i I trusted the internet again uh and i i literally just tweeted and uh, a friend of mine said hey you should ask if you know this person is not doing anything and uh, so I did and and he was totally up for it and just really sweet took a couple of hours out of his day to drive all the way over to my house where I had this little studio set up and he even helped me put the finishing touches on said studio and uh kept an eye on the camera and then gave me uh some notes and and uh it was it was really great. I I should just I mean his name is Doug Doug Oliphant. You you know him because uh, yeah, he choreographed cool. a group. Uh, he choreographed the musical that you did. It was just very I, I, big shout out to to Doug for for helping me out with that. It was uh, it was very nice of him to to help me out and uh, he did a great job. If anybody has any questions regarding that in particular, feel free to email us or tweet at us. Um, and we can either talk about it on the podcast or we'll respond directly to the uh, the email. Yeah, and I, I imagine that, that this kind of thing is only going to become more and more common. I think Actors Access, or I, sh- I guess I should say uh, Breakdown Services, Breakdown Services the yeah. parent company, has start, they, they started this uh, this like subsidiary company um, that's all devoted to, what do they call it, Ecocast? Is that what it's called? I can't remember the exact name, but we talked about it on the uh, Showbiz Expo, Expo episode. Yeah, um, yeah. Our correspondent, uh, Melissa Collins, uh, went into, what, what would you call it, panel, where they were talking about that exact thing, and she gleaned some, some interesting information from that. So if yeah, you have- I, I like that a lot. 
I like it a lot. As someone who hates driving, I mean, you and I have had this conversation a couple of times. Yeah. I, I, it makes so much sense to just, instead of taking three hours out of your day to drive across town and wait in a room to just stay in the comfort of your home, email something, it's easier for everybody yeah. and cheaper for everybody. Yeah. So Yeah, there's only um, a couple I, things that I don't like about it. One is that, you know, being a theater actor, I get that energy connection between myself and the people in the room. But the the problem with that or the the... the the ironic thing about that is that you're not going to have if if you're auditioning for film and television, you're not going to have somebody in the room. You're auditioning for an on-camera medium. Uh, and the second thing I don't like about it is if if they wanted to give you an adjustment, they would not be able to do so on the spot. Right, right, that's true. <clears throat> so so there's no way to know if you're truly um, directable, mm-hmm. if you will. Mm-hmm. So, but I see, yeah. I but I get I see both sides, and I really like that you are sort of looking at it from a really from a green perspective you know yeah and, and i think a you know an efficiency perspective especially on the part of the actor you know as far as right. as far as valuing the actor's time right. Um, right even though we're all you know i'm happy to drive across town and and you know do an audition and sit in a room and all that stuff for the right role but a lot of the time it's like you know, it's for something small, and it's it's like, can I just send you a video <laughs> just to just to kind of clear that first hurdle and see if I'm even what you're looking for? <clears throat> right, right, yeah, yeah, exactly. Give me a callback based on the uh, video yeah. submission. Yeah, I wonder if eventually we'll see uh, Skype auditions where they can give you feedback live. That'd be pretty cool. It would be interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I I was talking to because I was so freaked out about putting myself on camera for the first time. I was talking to Ben about it actually, and. He will uh, very often, if not all the time, go to a studio or to these two studios that he knows where he has um, – I think he has friends at both. Uh, and they do many different things in these studios. But one of the things that they do is they they are set up for people to come in and, and, and do their video auditions, their video submissions. That's cool. Um, so he goes in. He does the thing. They, they, they do a quick edit where they just basically you know put it together. Um, and I think they even upload it to some server or send it to you, or I don't know how that, that works, but basically it just cuts out a whole bunch of the work so that your job is to do the performance and then get it to your representation. <laughs> That's great. We'll have to get the, the name of that place from Ben and, and, you know, details of the pricing and whatnot. It sounds like a pretty cool thing. Yeah, there's two. Um, maybe we can move on to your catch up and in the meantime, I'll, uh, I'll try to find it in my, in my email. Sure. I, I love the, this conversation, by the way. And if, if there are people out there listening that have had a lot of experience with putting yourself on tape or the kind of you know process of taping yourself for, for an audition, wherever it is in the country or the world, uh, we'd love to hear any tips or tricks that you've learned. So um, yeah. any way to streamline that process, feel free to write in. Maybe we'll do a little segment where we can offer some tips or, or that, something. That's a great idea. I love that. Oh, uh, here they are. Number one speed reels now these are both obviously based in los angeles but you can look up their websites kind of get an idea of what they do speedreels.com is uh, is one of them so that's uh, just those two words speedreels.com and then uh editplus.tv so editplus all one word dot tv and of course you can go to our website to click on uh, any links that we talk about in the podcast just check out the show notes so what's been going on with you, man? I mean, other than being out of town for uh, tea gives. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was I was swamped with work. Just leading up to the, the Thanksgiving kind of break there, I was, you know, it was just like one of those things where when it rains, it pours. Right. And uh, I had a bunch of bunch of projects just drop onto my plate all at once, and I had about a week to do them all. So um, that was a little stressful, but uh, I got everything done kind of with a clean edge for the most part, and I went to Mendocino for a few days. But before all that, uh, I had an interesting meeting uh, for a feature film, and the uh, the sides that I got a day or two beforehand were for a, a very specific character type that I just didn't feel that I was. I mean, the, the physical description to the to the um, description of his mannerisms and everything, I was like, that is, that is not me. I don't think I can sell this very well. Um, but I'm going to, you know, go to the, go to the meeting and just see what I can do. Maybe they're looking, maybe it's one of those things where they ask for something specific, but are looking for something yeah, or completely you, different. Or you can book the office like, uh, TJ Romini's story, you know, where he went sure. in and he was yeah. like, 
he's like, I know I'm not right for this role, but I'm going to go in and, and impress the uh, casting directors, you know? Exactly. Exactly. So, so I went in, but there, there were, there was, I should say, there was another character in the, in the sides that I got that, um, had not been cast yet that I thought I was a little better for. So when I got to the meeting, um, I was sitting in the waiting room with a bunch of guys that were clearly this type that they were looking for, for the character I was originally supposed to read for. And so I walked into the room eventually and I said, they said, uh, do you have any questions? And I said, well, yeah, you know, I, I don't think I'm really right for this type. I think I'm a better fit for character B. Um, and they said, yeah, yeah, we think so too. Cool. Do you want some time with it? And they gave me a whole new set of sides. They gave me as much time as I wanted to go over them. And so I went out, you know, went over the sides, went back in 45 minutes later and, and read for that other role. And it, it went, you know, pretty well. I didn't, I didn't hear back, but I felt pretty good about the work I did. And that was an interesting lesson in just like owning the meeting, you know? Yeah. Was, like I walked in and I film, think television theater. It was a film. It was a feature film. Nice. And I think, that, you know, a couple of years ago, I probably would have been a little more meek about it and walked in and been like, Oh, you know, here's what I've got for this character. That's not me. And I may have embarrassed myself, but this time I was like, I think we both know that this is the wrong fit. <laughs> and they, and they totally like without a hesitation, they were like, yeah, <laughs> and they agreed. And so, uh, it was kind of cool. You know, it was, it, I felt, uh, I felt pretty good about how that all, you know, unfolded. That's a really great story for a number of different reasons. I mean, just knowing your type and knowing that you weren't right for the role, um, seeing this other role that, you know, you could sort of take advantage of and, and knowing that you were more right for that. And then, you know, just the mere fact that you, uh, spoke up, I mean, that, it, to me, if I was not sitting on the other side of that table, I'd be like, wow, what a smart actor. And it's tough too, because, uh, I've, I've had auditions where, uh, they've said, eat, come in with both of these characters ready to go. And then I get in the room and they're like, okay, which one did you prepare? It's like, well, both. And then you get this feeling, you're like, well, am I wasting their time? Am I yeah. this? Am I that? And you kind of like, you're like, I don't know what the word is, like scared of the room. Like you don't know if you're going to say something wrong or waste their time or do something. So then, you know. Yeah, but- I feel like that's, that's happened more, more often than not. I've been asked to prepare, you know, a couple different characters or a couple different sets of sides. And every time I've gone into the room, they've asked me to just pick which one I want to do. Yeah. I've never, I never really had to do more than like two pet, two sides or two characters. Yeah. You're yeah. And then you feel like, man, I, 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 I took all this time and I, and I prepared this all and then they didn't even ask me to do it. And, you know, I remember <laughs> being a bad actor and complaining about that to my manager one time. And she said, Hey, you don't get to choose what they do or don't have you do in the room. You mm-hmm. just have to come in prepared. And I was like, yeah, that's a totally legitimate smackdown right there. <laughs> Knowledge bomb smackdown. Yeah, so I guess the, the secret then is just to put your, your most effort into what you feel strongest about. Sure, sure. Well, kudos, man. That's a really awesome story. So we've got a, a voicemail to uh, chat about on today's episode. Hi, this is Catherine Grant Studies calling from Seattle, Washington. Um, my question is, I just listened to your episode 64, and you guys mentioned um, Uncharted 3 and video game performances, which is kind of where I want to direct my career. I'm particularly interested in getting motion capture performance gigs. And I know that in the Seattle area, there's a lot of video game production companies that exist. I just have to find them. So if you have any advice for someone who's particularly interested in kind of stunt work and motion capture performance, particularly for video games and action films, I would much appreciate it. Okay. Well, um, this is a... This is something that Emily talks about in her the third part of her interview coming up. And uh, I know uh, Robert Plotlerworthy, our guest, 
touches on some voiceover stuff in the interview. So hopefully some of her questions will be answered there because I think largely this is, at least for me, this is a world that I don't know much about. Yeah, it's totally, it's totally, I mean, it's new in the industry period, but it's also, you know, new to us. We have no direct experience with it. It's been great to interview Emily and, and Robert as well. The only difference between Emily and, and Robert is that Robert doesn't have, or doesn't do the motion capture stuff, or if he has, uh, <clears throat> you know, it's not, um, what he's known for, he, he got in through sort of doing voice voiceover work. Um, and then Emily got in because she actually auditioned for a role as if she was doing, you know, film and television um, yeah. or theater. I guess if, if you're asking for advice from two people who don't have much experience in this area, I would say make sure that you are in, in really good shape physically because she does mention doing stunts. So if you're gonna mm-hmm. if you're if you're gonna do any kind of stunt work, you you have to be in super good shape. So make sure you're in really great shape physically. Make sure that you are taking any uh, you know specialized classes in terms of I don't know martial arts or something like that, um, just to keep yourself uh, bo- you know physically aware, aware of your physical instrument, maybe even some voiceover classes as well. And then beyond that, it's really just about targeting those specific people, which we've talked about over and over and over again on the podcast. Like, find out who is producing, directing, writing the video games that you are interested in. Because, you know, they have uh, a director on, on the Uncharted series. She's actually in the room directing the actors the way that you would direct, block and direct a, a play. So... You know, building a relationship with somebody like that, building a relationship with the people who are producing the actual creative side of things, not necessarily the gameplay mechanics and that kind of thing. So I, I wouldn't mm-hmm. necessarily go after the game-making companies, but the people who are producing the the rest of it. It's going to become a uh, you know a bigger and bigger thing uh, as technology grows and increases. I mean, uh, I don't know if you read this in the trades. Uh, what was it this week or last week, Trevor, but uh, Fox is going, I think it's Fox studios is going to push or is starting to push right now really hard for uh, Andy circus to get some kind of uh, nomination or recognition from either the Academy or any of the award shows for his performance in planet of the apes. Uh, And for those of you who don't know, Andy circus played Gollum in the Lord of the Rings trilogy. And you know, People thought the performance was brilliant, but of course he was overlooked because it was motion capture. And then James Cameron and and the folks who produced and directed, well, James Cameron directed, but the f- folks who produced Avatar were extremely upset when their actors were completely overlooked by all of the various awards shows because essentially they were hiding behind these sort of CG masks, if you yeah. will. So this type of acting, whether it's in film or in the film medium or in the video game medium, is only going to grow. Yeah, and it's, it's interesting. It's, it's amazing to me that the, these actors are overlooked because it's not like the animators just come up with the facial expressions. You know, I mean, they, they actually model everything based on what the actor is doing at that moment. Right. So they actually take the recorded image and then model it on that. So all the facial expressions, the smiles, the squints of the eyes, all that – is like that that's that's all just kind of painted on but it's all there the foundation is all created by the actor so it's right. it's it's just as much acting as anything else right and uh yeah. it's like i said it's just going to it's just going to continue and, and the performances will become more and more nuanced because you'll be able to capture more and more uh yeah of that specific of that detail Cool. Well, hope that helps. Um, and and uh, of course, we have uh, two guests who are going to be talking a lot about voiceover, and especially Emily talking about the process of uh, motion capture. So hopefully, that's enlightening for people that are interested in more of that. And this is something clearly we should be uh, exploring on the podcast. So going forward, we'll have to keep a focus on this. Totally. So let's roll into this interview. Cool. So this is the uh, first part of uh, our two-part interview with uh, Mr. Robert Clotworthy, who uh, you're going to find out more about during the interview. So please enjoy that. Hey, 
Hey guys, welcome back. Uh, this is AJ, and I'm sitting here with uh, someone I'm very excited to be uh, interviewing today, um, who has a great on-screen career, has done a lot of uh, uh, guest star spots on, on all kinds of different television shows, but you would never know him for that. He's most well-known for his voice and the quality of his voice and his voiceover acting. Probably best known for his role as Jim Rayner in the uh, StarCraft series of games, which is one of my favorite games of all time. So I'm very excited to have him here, uh, Mr. Robert Clotworthy. Thank you so much for being so, here. A pleasure to be here. This is Jimmy. Ra- Raiders roll. <laughs> yes! Let's get that out of the way right away. Yes! I didn't have to ask for it. I was going to. Um, let's get, yeah, just get out of the way right away. That's it. Um, excellent. So, um, we always, we have this sort of tradition on the podcast of just starting from the beginning, kind of talking about, you know, where you got your start. So, um, you know, I was reading a little bit before our interview, um, and your father was a a radio producer. Is that Yeah, he he produced, uh, radio commercials here in Los Angeles when I was growing up. So I was able to, uh, go with him to the studio a lot and watch a lot of the great, great voiceover actors of, my childhood going into the studio and recording these spots and I uh, obviously it was entertaining to watch you know Dawes Butler or uh, you know Mel Blanc or Jerry Stiller yeah, and Mel Blanc I couldn't know, believe that to, when I read to that. watch these people work obviously it's very entertaining but um, I remember as a child it, I got this great sense that it was entertaining they were having fun and I thought what a great way to make a living you know, not that I was able to really put it all together at that point, but it just seemed like a fun thing to do. And as I grew older, uh, you know, my father was obviously able to make some introductions for me to uh, to some agents who handled uh, voice actors, and it was just kind of a natural thing for me to kind of go into. It wasn't where I first began. I first started doing on camera stuff, but it was a natural kind of progression into that. It was so it was always a part of of my growing up and also part of my professional life. What a great uh, resource to have. I mean, your dad, your dad, yeah, you know, I mean, there it was, to kind of help you along and make some introductions, like you said. Yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. I mean, I was I remember one story. I was a um, I was a picky eater as a kid. I really didn't want to eat my vegetables, and my father brought home uh, one night a record. You know, at that time, you know. It was Obviously, way before CD, I'm, I'm sure Edison was probably still alive when <laughs> <laughs> he might have been the engineer on it. But uh, it was a, a record that he put on the you know the turntable, and it was of all these great voiceover actors in character telling me that I should eat my vegetables. So I'd like June. Foray, Are you kidding yeah, June me? June Foray, who was doing uh, you know uh, Rocky, uh, you know Rocky, Rocket J. Squirrel from Rocky and Bullwinkle, and you know all these people, you know Dawes Butler, who was uh, Huckleberry Hound, going, "Hey, Robbie, you really need to eat your vegetables." <laughs> and I remember I listened to it once, and I was such a I must have been such a pain in the ass as a kid because I listened to it once, put it away, so I'm still not going to eat my vegetables, and I <laughs> never listened to it after that, but. My father still does have the record, thank, thank goodness. And uh, as a, uh, you know, a working professional now, I remembered how impactful that was as a kid to have these, you know, people do a, uh, a recording specifically for me. That I, I try to bring that into the conversation when I when I meet people that are, are fans of StarCraft. I, I don't try to set up a wall between me and them because it's it's as fun for them. Uh, it's, it's as fun for me as it is for them to to meet people and, and talk to them and be a part of it. So I try to be as, as approachable as possible. I think that's uh, and you find a lot of the voiceover people are like that anyway. You know, a lot of uh, a lot of people won't contact us or you know think we're too busy or don't want to be bothered. Whereas it's pretty much the opposite. We we kind of live to do that stuff to be kind of goofy and weird. And I don't know anybody that turns down, you know, talking to a fan or, or doing a little recording. I have, I have a good friend, Bill Farmer, who's the voice of um, Goofy for, for Disney. I can't tell you how many times he's called up somebody's kid on their birthday as Goofy <laughs> to wish them a happy birthday. So, you know, so we all we all do that. We all have a have a good time and we're we're very thankful for having the opportunity to to do that kind of silly stuff and get paid for it. That's amazing. Well, we definitely appreciate it, and I know our listeners will as well. Um, 
gosh, that record that I, I can't get over that. That must it's, be amazing. It's, it's that must there. be amazing. It is there. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so, did you end up um, being that you had this upbringing? Did you end up pursuing it uh, in your education at all? Was it something that well, you I pursued st- that way? I started or? real young. I mean, I, 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 if it were up to me, I would have started acting when I was seven years old because mm-hmm. I always had this you know natural inclination to go there. Uh, my father kind of resisted that, and I started working professionally when I was. 15. Wow. Yeah. And which was, you know, obviously pretty, pretty young to begin, but I started working right away. Literally the first audition that I went on, I booked the third audition I went on, I booked. I mean, I was booking constantly. Wow. So it it wasn't like this, this long period of struggle trying to break into the business. I was kind of, uh, I kind of got into it and I had no idea what I was getting myself into. I mean, I had to ask questions of, you know, I get a call back. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? <laughs> uh, it's a good thing. Uh, they put me on a veil. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? That's, that's good. Also good, uh, yes. Uh, but, you know, I also learned early on that there's a, um, uh, it, it cuts both ways. That there is a certain amount of responsibility because, you know, here I am. I'm 15, 16 years old and I'm working. I'm doing commercials and working on TV shows or doing voiceover. And my favorite group was the the Who, and my father hmm. got me a couple of tickets to go see the Who in concert, and I was shooting this commercial, and it was supposed to be just one day shooting a commercial, and they ended up needing a second day to shoot it, and of course the second day was would have been the morning after the concert, mm-hmm. and my father said, well you can't go to the concert, you've got to get up at you know five six in the morning to be on set at seven, and um, you, you can't go to a concert. So I realized that even though it was pretty nice to be able to have that job, there was a price that needed to be paid. Right. And, uh, you know, it, it, it kind of instilled in me in early age that you do need to, you can't kind of, you can't really kind of kick back. You need to, to focus and pay attention and be responsible when it comes to it because, man, it can disappear as quickly as it arrived. Yeah. That's, that's for sure. Yeah. Well, it's great that you're appreciative of it, um, especially being that you started out so so young yeah. you know and and kind of always worked like yeah and, and a lot of my training you know I, I dabbled in in college a little bit but I was you know fortunate enough that I was working a lot yeah and I was interested in taking theater courses and I thought man I'm already working professionally why do I want to stop that to learn how to do it mm-hmm. now, I don't know if that was a good decision or a bad decision <laughs> but um, so most of my professional training, was outside of college. It was it was through coaches and uh, uh, you know workshops within Los Angeles. So I was always working with with top Hollywood um, uh, you know professionals who were, who mm-hmm. were acting teachers like Milton Casellas or Joan Darling or mm-hmm. you know you know Harvey uh, Lembeck was taught me improv. I don't know if you remember Harvey Lembeck, but he was re- he was really big. And in my class was you know John Ritter and John LaRoquette and Robin Williams. Wow. And, I mean it was. Phenomenal, you know. Everybody who was anybody uh, in improvisation was was taking classes from this guy. Mm-hmm. So I had a, I was really fortunate that I I stumbled into a lot of really great workshop and um, acting coach or, or acting teacher uh, experiences at an early early age. Because mm-hmm. you know you need that that good uh, foundation. Yeah. Well, and you've said that. Uh, we've had a, a couple of voiceover actors on mm-hmm. uh, the podcast before, um, and uh, we've heard from them. We've heard from just reading interviews or, or watching interviews mm-hmm. uh, online, and, and I even read it in an interview that you gave about how important it is to be a good actor as a voiceover actor, um, how that's essential in in being a voiceover actor. Is number one, you're you're a good actor. It's it's critical. I think it's it's more more so in voiceover than certainly in, in television. In television, you can get away with how you look. Um, you know, you can hide behind that a, a bit. In in movies, not as much. Uh, you know, you're certainly not going to have a, a long career if you are just, you know, a, a cardboard cutout of an actor. Mm-hmm. Um, but in voiceover, since the microphone is very sensitive, and I, I like to call it a you know, it's a great bullshit detector. It can tell when, <laughs> when somebody is, is not being honest and truthful because you can't hide behind what you look like. There's not this, this disconnect, this, this separation. Uh, and, and I've also found that the, the really good voiceover actors who are working a lot 
have really strong either a theatrical backgrounds where they've they've worked a lot on on stage or uh, they've trained a lot uh, or they have good film and television credits I mean it's it's rare that you're going to find somebody that's really good in voiceover that is purely a voice that just has no background in acting at all right because you, you really need to uh, you need to be subtle in in your approach towards the the character that you're portraying um, you know it's kind of akin to film acting you know you've seen actors that are just they're just way too big for the screen it's like they're mugging and you just it's it, t- it kind of takes you out of it you really need to be very subtle in your your performance because your screen image is, is so huge and in voiceover uh, that you also need to have that um, because you're relying on just that that one sense and that gets into a person's brain and you know it's like when you you know when you're talking to somebody on the phone there's there's this weird kind of a magical way that that voice gets into your skull as opposed to if you're you know looking at somebody on Skype where you're hearing them but you're also looking at them and you're thinking you know they look bad or they look good or whatever it might be mm-hmm. um, and a lot of voiceover actors don't understand that so you know the newbies come in and they really try to push too hard and uh, what happens is it, it you know it, it just doesn't work they don't get hired so you really have to along with that by being subtle you have to trust and that's not an easy thing for an actor to do yeah well I mean the, everything you just said could be applied to on-screen acting as well you know it's not it's I mean it's true that within yeah. voiceover you only you do only have the one sense yeah. uh, of hearing uh, but at the same time everything that you were saying could be just you know cut and pasted into you know uh, good acting, acting is well. is good acting bottom line whether it's on the stage <clears throat> up on, on the screen on television and voiceover good acting is good acting it's just a matter of adjusting your technique for that particular medium that you're working at sure that that's that's all that it is and a lot of that's why a lot of good film actors can can be really good voiceover actors because it's not that big a, a transition for them. Might be a little bit more difficult for theater actors because they're used to playing to you know the big house to the back row, so they really have to you really have to talk to them and say no no, no you don't. It's it's more powerful if you're quiet. <laughs> you have to turn that <laughs> you down. Know? About you know ten it, notches. It, it, you know, being being quiet and intimate in a, in a voiceover setting is incredibly powerful because you'll see the audience kind of drawing closer to, uh, to to the speaker. I mean, they, they, it, there's this, this magic about it. There's this power. Yeah, absolutely. And I've, I've noticed and appreciated that about mm-hmm. uh, the voiceover performances that I've heard of, of, of yours. Yeah. Um, now, do you, in your uh, approach to, say, an audition... Mm-hmm. Um, going in for uh, a voiceover character mm-hmm. versus an on-screen character. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, that those are two completely different performances because of the medium, like mm-hmm. you just said. But in your approach to creating the character, mm-hmm. do you change anything, or do you just like? Do you? Ha- I mean, you draw from different clues. Do you get to see drawings of your voiceover characters versus having a script? Yeah, gener- with, uh, your on-screen characters. Yeah, generally with a. Um... You know, if you're auditioning for a, a character in a, in a you know an animated show, they have a a rendering, a drawing of what the character's going to look like, and that'll give you a that'll give you a starting point as to where you can approach the character. You can see whether they're thin or fat, young or old. I mean, you know, you make those male, female, uh, you know, bitter, you know, uh, happy. You know, you can make those broad generalizations just to kind of give you a sense of the outline of the character. But what I like to do is, you know, I'm one of those people that likes to break down scripts and likes to really create um, a, a history for the character. Uh, you know, I ask questions. Some of them are answered in the script. Some of them aren't. You know, what is for? for, for uh, I don't know who I read. Maybe it was. Um, I'm going to apply this to somebody that, that that didn't say it. But one of the great questions that I have as an actor, if you're a, a male. Uh, approaching a role is what do they do for a living because guys tend to often identify who they are with what they're doing sure now that may they may be happy with what they're doing or they may be unhappy with what they're doing sure now that's now you start applying layers to that if the guy's working in a cubicle is he one of those guys that 
you know, just is very happy in a cubicle because he's afraid of going outside of it? Or is he one of those guys that has greater aspirations in life? And when you start thinking about that, then it starts, then it starts expanding your, your, your consciousness of, of who this character is. It becomes more of a real person. And then it's, then it's, you know, is he married? Is he, is he not married? Is he in a relationship? Not in a relationship, just out of a relationship. He hoped to get into a relationship. Uh, you know, what does he wear? What, you know, does he, does he come from money? Does he come from a poor family? You can start applying all these, these elements. And for the audience, they're not going to necessarily appreciate or, you know, pick up on all this information that you're, you're, you're giving to that character, but it helps you as an actor. And what will happen is the audience will know that something's going on. The audience is very forgiving. They're, they're very um, honest in that they'll tell you what they like and don't like. And a lot of actors don't want to acknowledge that. They think they want to, they want to do one thing, and the audience is saying, you know, we really prefer you doing this. In fact, I was reading a, uh, an article the other day about um, stars, and they, it was very funny. This one agent said, Angelina Jolie with a gun is a movie star. Without a gun, she's not. And I thought, interesting. So the, the audience wants to see her in, in an action role. Hmm, yeah, they're 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 pining for that. That's what they're saying. Now she's smart enough to realize that I'm going to give that to them. Since they're asking for that, I'll give that to them. I'll do some other stuff on the side for me because I want to expand my, you know, myself as an actor. But I'm not going to I'm not going to deny what the audience is asking me to do. And as a voiceover actor, I think we need to acknowledge that as well. We may want to be a superhero, but the audience is saying, you know, we really kind of like you as the comedic. Uh, uh, you know, sidekick. Don't deny that. Embrace that. So I, I tend to kind of go where, go through the door that's open as opposed to knocking on the door that's, that's locked. Right. And that doesn't lead me into, into bad places. But as a, as a character, um, the more I know, the more, the richer it is for me and the audience will, will be able to pick up on something's going on and they'll fill in the blanks. I may say a line and they'll interpret it in a way that maybe I never thought of, but that's okay. As long as they're, they think something's going on in my head, I'm going to be fine. It's like an acting coach that said, as long as you're thinking about something, it'll be 100% effective for the audience. So if you're into uh, the method and you're trying to remember what your blanket felt like when you were a small baby and you just can't remember it, but you're still saying the line, it doesn't matter whether you remember it or not, whether you can really get that sense memory working for you. Just the very fact that you're trying to go there, the audience will... will will pick up on that. Hmm. And so it'll be a hundred percent effective for the audience as opposed to actors who are so egocentric that it needs to be good for themselves. You know, I'm not right. one of those guys that needs to go up there and jerk off on stage and just f feel good about me. Right. I I'd rather have the audience going, wow, man, that was, that was great. Right. And, and, and have me go, you know, just thinking about what I was going to have for dinner, but okay, <laughs> if it was good for you, fine. Wow. That's um... so a lot of actors kind of overthink a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, I, that's wow. That's there's a lot to think about in there. Yeah, because you know we don't often talk uh, technique on yeah. the podcast just because yeah. there's so many varying uh, opinions on you know uh, an approach to acting. Yeah. But um, thank you so much for sharing. Well, listen, it's all it's all you know whatever works for the individual actor. I mean that's that's kind of the way I approach it. Yeah, other actors approach it different ways. It doesn't matter. That's why what's one of the wonderful things is you can have a bunch of actors in a room working on an animated show and they may have different different ways that they approach the material based on their their acting experience but the bottom line is it all can gel it's not like one size fits all right. there's only one way wrong there's there's a lot of different ways right right yeah i was that's one of the things i actually appreciated a lot about my training that i i went to ucla mm -hmm. and they they didn't teach a, a, a particular method or technique. Right. They, they pulled from a bunch of different ones yeah. and they basically said, use what works for you. So right. that's really great. Um, I want to uh, rewind a little bit and focus in on one little thing sure. that you said because it, it fascinates me and actually kind of terrifies me about a voiceover, <laughs> a career in voiceover, okay. Okay. which is you were talking about um, what the audience wants, mm -hmm. you know, using the Angelina Jolie mm -hmm. example, but also um, talking about going through the open door as opposed to knocking on the locked mm -hmm. one. The, one of the things that I've been uh, thinking about, if if and when I did want to eventually start a, uh, a voiceover career, mm -hmm. is w what is that open door for me? So I'm wondering for you, how did you discover the qu what 
what qualities your voice had and and sort of link that to the types of characters that that it would uh, lend itself to well. Does that make sense? Yeah, well, for, first you have to come from a, a, a truthful place. I mean, there's a certain period of introspe- introspection that has to take place where you have to understand who you are. Because if you don't know who you are, in other words, what your opinion is on whatever it might be, you know, whatever your opinion is on not just politics, you know, marriage, uh, somebody that cuts you off in, in traffic. Uh, in other words, you need to understand who you are, good and bad. You know, you made in voiceover, you know, I've taught voiceover in the past. And one of the, the um, examples that we give is we talk about signatures. Uh, a signature would be basically how somebody would describe who you are or what your vocal quality is. And they may say, well, he's, you know, he, he's youthful, he's energetic, he's, uh, he's bright, he's uh, uh, athletic. Uh, you know, th- these are kind of broad uh, terms that they would use. Uh, but at the same time, there are also words, like, if you were, for example, if you were to think of Roseanne Barr, they might say, well, man, she's a, she's a pain in the ass. Okay? <laughs> she's, or, or she's a caustic bitch. Now, what is it about that quality? I mean, because Roseanne Barr is a, is a bit of a pain in the ass, but she's still inc- incredibly popular mm-hmm. and very successful as, as, a, as a performer, as an actor. And there's something about that attitude, being a caustic bitch, that works for her. Well, if you explore a little bit deeper, it's, well, she's not really a caustic bitch. She's being honest. Mm-hmm. She's in your face. She's kind of telling you the truth whether you want to hear it or not. Mm-hmm. So she's very opinionated. So you kind of have to spin that a little bit to where you can understand where the, uh, uh, you know, I guess the, the, the through line, so to speak, is. And also not run away from it. So you just, you may just be just the way you are. You know, I don't know you very well, AJ, but let's, let's for the sake of the argument, let's just say you're just a, 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 a bitter stoner, okay? Okay? Who just wants to <laughs> escape life and, and take a toke. That's fine. The thing is, that is totally perfect for voiceover because as long as you acknowledge it and own it because that character will find itself uh, in, in a lot of different places where, where it's necessary, where it's needed. You know, you look at, his, at Steve Buscemi, you know, uh, Buscemi, Buscemi, how, Buscemi. Buscemi, however you pronounce his last name. But he, he for, for a long time, he was basically, he was kind of a, like a weirdo, wasn't he? Kind of, the characters that he played, he was kind of like psycho, a little bit sick, a yeah. little bit depraved, a yeah. little bit evil. And, and there, he, he owned that. He decided, you know, I don't want to be, I'm not going to knock on the door that says leading man. I'm going to go right. with, with who I am, and maybe I'm a little bit weird. I'm a little bit creepy. I'm a little bit offbeat. I'm a little bit strange. Yeah. I'm going to own that. And when you come at it with that kind of honesty, it can't be denied. I mean, everybody's looking for that, not only in voiceover, but in, in film as well. Yeah. So you basically have to understand who you are, what your attitude towards life is, and expose yourself warts and all, because that's what's most interesting about you anyway, is where you're vulnerable, where you're fallible where your your faults are yeah and if you come at it from that point of view and then you, then you're you're only competing against yourself you're not you're not trying to be a um uh you're not trying to imitate somebody else because mm-hmm. as soon as you try to be steve Buscemi, Buscemi <laughs> he'll get the gig over you 100 percent of the time right. if you're both auditioning but if you come at it as aj versus him now they have a choice well do we go with that or do we go with this Hmm, that's kind of interesting. That's kind of interesting. I don't know. Well, let's let's talk about it. So that's that's the, in my opinion, the the approach you need to have with uh, with voiceover is you really need to understand who you are and be truthful and coming from that place because we all ha- we have an opinion about everything. Um, our opinions will differ. I mean, you you may have an opinion on what the weather is like today. Mm-hmm. You know, for you it's it's overcast and it's you're happy. Because, you know, the sunshine depresses you, perhaps. Maybe, <laughs> maybe you're, you're like a, a vampire in, in, a, in a way. So I, may I don't go, know about this picture you're painting. You know, I, I may... Stoner, vampire, <laughs> bitter, hates the world. That's all right. Well, maybe, it's, maybe it's the black cape and the fangs that, uh, that you're wearing that are throwing me. <laughs> um, you know, it's, and, and me, I may come over here and say, oh, I, I, the sun, you know, I feel I'm a little bit frightened by the, uh, by the fog. Um, 
But you just kind of acknowledge that, and it gives you an interpretation for the material, mm-hmm. and it's, you're coming from a truthful place, and people respond to that. So you just kept it, and that's where the trust comes in, because you have to go, well, am I, am I interesting enough <laughs> as a person? Right. And, you know, we don't always want to open that, uh, that, that locked chest that's hidden deep mm. within us that has all of those, those weird uh, skeletons in it, but that's what's critical as an actor to be able to to uh to show to the world i love that i love that you know as far as my approach towards rainer um you know i understand a where he's coming from you know as far as the story is concerned i've studied joseph campbell so i understand what story structure is all about Mm -hmm. and and what the the hero's journey is all about and Mm -hmm. that that jim rainer is the uh the reluctant hero Mm -hmm. so when you understand that you go oh okay now i've got the framework sure now how am I going to bring me into this character? What do, what do I think about the circumstances that he finds himself into? Now, obviously, I'm not saving the universe, but I've, I'll tell you an interesting story. That um, I'm one of those people I kind of bounce off the walls a little bit. But when I was in Australia a couple of weeks ago, a guy came up to me, one of the fans, and he said, um, you know who, who Jim Rayner was based on? Was, was based on... You know, Chris Metzen, who was the creator of uh, StarCraft, was a, a personal experience that he had where he was involved with, with a woman who was going through, I guess, a, a drug issue. And he was doing everything he could to save her, you know, and and he was you know basically beating his head against the wall, trying to get her through this this tough time. And that's where the relationship of Kerrigan and Rayner began was through a truthful, honest experience that the writer had. He says, wow. you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write the dynamics of this relationship. I'm just going to put it into a different context. So, wow. you know, we all have those kind of personal experiences that we can draw on and bring to the, the character that we're portraying. And, you know, we've all, for me with Kerrigan, I mean, listen, we've all been involved in relationships that are complicated. <laughs> Right, we've you know we've we've been attracted and repelled at the same time, but we're still there, and and you know he's a very moral man. So there's a lot of things I can identify with. I'm certainly not as as honest and ethical and and forthright as he is, but I have aspirations to go there. <laughs> so it's, it's not like I'm t- just totally against character for me to go there. That's uh, an amazing story yeah. and so true. The um... That's what he spends a lot of his time doing. You know, he's not just trying to save the universe; he's always trying to save Sarah. So, yeah, um, it's a it's a very personal story for him, and that's why that that final scene where he finally uh, rescues her at the end. Mm-hmm. Hope I didn't give too much away. Yeah, spoiler alert it's, for the it's, uh, it's been out a year. Hopefully, for Starcraft Two: Wings of Liberty. Uh, yeah, hopefully, yeah, hopefully you played through it if you're going to play through it. <laughs> yeah, and uh, you know, at that at that moment, it's a very that was my favorite scene in the in this this game uh, because it is so personal. It's a culmination of everything that he's battled for. Oh yeah, yeah. you know, saving the, the universe is secondary. It's now he's got the woman that he that he <clears throat> loves in his arms, and he's just going to take care of her at that point. Yeah. So it's a very it's a one on one personal relationship that um, the writers and Chris were were savvy enough to to share with with everybody else, and it's very impactful. It's very. Uh, you know, because everybody can relate to that. Yeah. You know, when you finally get what you've worked so hard for, it's usually not one of those moments where you're jumping up and down. It's kind of like, I can't believe it really has happened. Yeah. You know, you really have to kind of let it in. So as an actor in that moment, I just kind of stayed real simple with it. Just thought of uh, of those moments in my life where I battled and finally, you know, succeeded, so to speak. And just enjoying the moment and especially if you're enjoying that moment with someone that makes it even even more more powerful more special okay guys welcome back i hope you enjoyed part one of our two-part interview with robert clotworthy who is by the way one of the nicest people ever like he is just such a sweetheart and 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 such a just a professional man. That that you can tell he he's one of those guys where like he's been around a long time, knows his stuff, is super talented, 
and is also nice. Like Trevor, you you've talked about these people on the podcast before, where you you you've noticed that when people get to this certain point in their career, they're no they're not they're not jaded or anything like that. They're they're actually you know really nice and really accommodating, and um, you know I, yeah. I, I feel like I feel like Robert's always been that way. <laughs> He's never not been that way. Let's put it that way. <laughs> chicken or the egg? <laughs> it was always the chicken. It was always, always Robert. Uh, what is your pick of the week? My pick of the week is a television show. It reminded me of when your pick of the week was Dexter. And I was like, man, should I do this as my pick of the week? Because I feel bad because you have to have HBO in order to, to watch this. But you don't. You can actually watch it on Netflix and um, or you can get the DVDs on Netflix, which is how you watched it, right, Trev? Uh, I watched the first season, yeah. Okay. And then I, I just kind of fell off the wagon. Um, ha! Maybe. Fell off the wagon. Ha ha! How That's about that? Very uh, but you can also buy it on iTunes. So what is it that we were talking about? We were talking about the show Deadwood, which was created by David Milch and stars the most amazing, amazing performance by Ian McShane, who I love if it was still on the air kings would be my pick of the week i loved that show and i was so sad that it got canceled after one season it was so good and he was amazing in it and he is amazing in deadwood it's out of control how good that performance is and the performances in general the writing is out of control so good such good writing and i've noticed that the performances in general are all amazing because you know you could have somebody who's like a two-line co-star and they just act a snot out of those two lines like you're like where did they find this person to it's like the most amazing like two-line i've I've never heard a two-line co-star delivered so well um it's been really fun i've been up super late almost every night because i've just been watching episode after episode and it it, i can't i can't stop watching it and the ends of the episodes aren't even really like cliffhangers it's just the story just stops right now because we ran out of time. It's like we mm. our 45 minutes to an hour is up now, so we had to play the credits. So when you start watching the next next episode, it just picks up right from where it left off before and it's oh, it's so good. It's so cool. good. I'm I'm yeah. I'm enjoying the hell out of it. Yeah, my pick of the week is pretty uh pretty up the same pretty much the same in the same vein. Uh Breaking Bad. We talked about this the other night. Oh, that's right. Uh, I I started getting into this show because I heard it was good, but I had no idea how good it was going to be. And um, I would be so bold as to say that it's the best show I've ever seen on television. Ooh, it is phenomenal. That is a bold and I have never, my friend. My, my criteria for that, my, my criteria for anything <sighs> that I watch is how tense does it make me? How stressed does it make me while I watch it? And every single episode of this freaking show – I am like holding my breath, digging my nails into, you know, my leg. I'm just, I'm just freaking out and I get so stressed. And I've heard this from a bunch of people. They all say, I can't watch that show because I just get so stressed (laughs) on Netflix instant. Everybody should watch it. Rock and roll. Sweet. So I think that does it. This has been an epic episode. I'm glad to be back. Welcome back, Trevor. uh, Thank you. You heard, you you heard my call at the end of the last episode. This is what brought you back. I did. I did. I I laughed and I cried. It was (laughs) bittersweet. Um, but, uh, those of you listening who, um, who, uh, like what you hear, there's a lot of different ways you can support the podcast. Of course you can, uh, do it by spreading the good words to your friends and family. You can follow us on Twitter. We're at twitter.com slash inside acting. We're also there individually. Yeah. Uh, I'm twitter.com slash Trevor Algott. I'm twitter.com slash digital actor. You can you also can find, us, find us, us where? Facebook. Facebook.com slash inside acting. Yeah. We're on uh, actor rated and iTunes. You can just do a search on actorrated.com and find us as a business and rate us there. You can find us on iTunes by doing a search and Leave us a, a review with some uh, some positive words if you like what we're doing. If you don't, just keep your mouth shut. No, if, right. you, if, if you don't, <laughs> if you don't, if you don't, uh, uh, don't keep your mouth shut. Actually, uh, uh, run it like crazy, but run it on our voicemail. Run it on our on our email. Uh, leave us a voicemail at two one three two actors. That's two one three two 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 eight six seven seven. Or uh, or send us an email at insideactingpodcast at gmail that's right. And then last but not least, if you really like the podcast and you want to really kind of be uh, 
be a driving force in keeping it going, you can donate some money to it. Um, there are two two ways to do it. If you go to our website, on the right-hand side, you'll see uh, two links. One is to donate a lump sum, uh, a one-time lump sum of money, uh, $1, one cent, $100, however much you want. Uh, and it's all done through PayPal, so it's completely secure. Or you can uh, donate on a recurring monthly basis and become what we like to call a patron. And if you do donate uh, as a patron uh, at 3 5 10 or $20 a month, um, we have a special page on the website that we'll add you to. We're in the process of getting that featured a little bit more prominently on the site. But um, it's a great way to uh, show your support for the podcast and uh, hopefully get a little something in return uh, in the form of uh, a featured uh, segment or, or spot on the, on the website. Cool. Well, hope you guys enjoyed uh, episode 65. Uh, I'm Trevor Algott. I'm AJ Meyer. We'll see you next week. And in the meantime, Raiders roll. We're a little rusty. Nope. Nope. That went off without a hitch.